Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Uh, just yesterday, with the mission field being right where you are, I saw it yesterday with Bryant Thompson. And it was really a special thing uh, to see and to be a part of. And so I just uh, am so proud of Bryant and the work of all these other folks um, that have... I'm sorry. I'm, I got a call. Y'all ever have that happen before? It's really embarrassing. Hold on, I'm going to put my phone in airplane mode so I won't continue to get it, and I'll put it on silent as well. I'm so sorry. So that's embarrassing. That's terrible. Um, if you would, by the way, maybe you have your phone on. If you could put that into silent and maybe put it in airplane mode so none of you get a phone call either during today's message, that would be, that would be super helpful. You know, one of the things I love about modern-day cell phones is, is the ability that when somebody calls you in an inappropriate time, you know what you can do? You can just hit that power button, little power button right there on the side. And, and do you know where that sends them? It sends them to purgatory. <laughs> they have to go to purgatory for a while. And they leave a little, little message in, in, uh, in cell phone purgatory. And, uh, and, you can, and you can go back and, and you can talk to them. You know, they call that feature on the phone, they call it uh, screening. You've been screened, right? And we've probably been there before. I know I have screened phone calls before. Maybe I've been in a meeting or maybe I've been preaching. Uh, and I get a, a phone call at the wrong time. And, and so I just hit that power button. And boy, I tell you, I just leave them right there in that little message area. Now, some people persist, right? If they get screened, the chances are they know they were screened. And so then they start texting you. They start texting you. Well, that's another real great feature is you can just slide over and hit clear all. And it just goes away magically like they weren't even there. This morning, I really believe that all of us are receiving a call. All of us are receiving a call. Either we've received a call or we are going to receive a call. Or maybe you're in the midst of a call. And that call is a spiritual call. It doesn't call, the call doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from another human being. It doesn't come from a Sunday school teacher. It, it, it call, the, the call comes directly from on high. The call comes from the Lord himself. And every Christian, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, you have received this call. You've received this invitation to come, to be a part of God's kingdom. And we've also received a call to go into the world and, and invite others to come and be a part of this feast, of this kingdom that belongs to God. Now, as believers and even as lost people, we have the ability to do what we do on a daily basis on our cell phones. We can just screen that phone call. 
We, we can just say, oh, Lord, now's not the right time. We can give God lots of different excuses as to why we're not going to participate, why we're not going to lead, why we're not going to share, why we are not going to partake in God's kingdom. And I'll be honest with you, lots of us have phenomenal excuses as to why we won't do what the Lord has called us to do, why we have sent God into a purgatory and this morning, I want to ask you a very simple, easy question. Are you screening the call from the Savior? Are you screening the call from the Savior? Have you heard God's voice in your life and you're putting him off? You're saying, Lord, the time isn't right. My finances aren't correct. My marriage isn't good enough. My job, I'm not secure enough. I, I, you know, I've got too much going on in school. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go to college. Lord, I, I, this just isn't the time right now, but I will get back to you. I'll get back to you, Lord. And we think we've got all the time in the world. And we think we have all the time in the world. And the reality is, is we don't know how much time we have. Our, our lives can be snuffed out like that. In the blink of an eye, in just a moment. And so this morning, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. To give you a little bit of background, Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's home. And while he has been invited to this Pharisee's home, Scripture tells us that he is reclined at the table. And he is watching the behavior, not only of his disciples, but more importantly, he's watching the behavior of these Pharisees that have invited him to come in. And you would think, well, that's really nice of the Pharisees. They've invited Jesus to come and have lunch or dinner with them. And the reality is, is these Pharisees have invited Jesus to come and eat with them so that they could trap him. Uh, they're going to try to ask him probing questions. They're going to try to trap Jesus in an unwinnable situation. And yet as Jesus is there eating with these Pharisees, he notices their behavior and he notices that they're not about serving other people. Rather, they're about securing the top spots. There's arguments that break out about who's going to have the choicest seat, who's going to take of the best meal, and Jesus begins to flip the tables on these Pharisees. And he continues by giving them a little bit of a parable. And so this is the parable that Jesus shares. A parable is a teachable lesson. It's a story that could happen in everyday life. And Jesus is sharing this parable hopefully, to help them understand what God's kingdom is really about. And so this morning, we're going to start in verse 12, and I'm reading out of Luke 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. And Jesus says these words. He said also to the man who had invited him, that being the Pharisee, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return to be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you for what you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In verse 15, when one of those reclined at the table with them heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a, a, a man once gave a great banquet. And invited many people. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. They put God on screen, right? But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a field, and I have to go out and see it. 
Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and yet there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out of the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Now, there's a few things that are taking place here. One, the people that are originally invited to the banquet are symbolic of Jews. They're symbolic of the Hebrews. This is where the gospel message goes first, and then it is rejected. And we see this wholeheartedly throughout the narratives of the gospels, that the Jews receive the message of Christ. They're the first to receive the gospel, and many of them turn their nose up at it. And they say, no, 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 you're getting screened. And they screen God's call. And so the master then says, well, if they're not going to answer the call, then I'm going to open the call to other people. And the the other folks that the master invites is symbolic of me and you. Uh, It's symbolic of Gentiles. Those who are not in God's family, those who are outside of God's family, are now being invited in. And he gives us a a pretty good list of people. We see the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Folks out by the highways, people by the lanes, people by the hedges, people that are outside of this wonderful family of God. These are the people that has been invited. So this morning, I want us to listen to the information from the master's invitation. There is some information to be garnered from the master's invitation. Roman number one is this. The invitation is extended. The invitation is extended. We see this reflected in verse 16 and 17. A man once gave a great banquet. He invited many. He invited a multitude, and the time came for the banquet. He sent his servant to those saying who had been invited. Notice that he only sent his servant to those who had first been invited. There were two different invitations that had taken place. Come, for everything is now ready. The first thing I want us to understand is the splendor of this event. This event is going to be a major party. It will be a major event, a major affair that people will talk about for generations to come. It is the place to be in the city. Anybody who's anybody would want to be at the this event. We're told that this would be a great supper. This indicates that this event is going to be special. It's going to be opulent. It's going to be a grand event, meaning that celebrities have been invited. The mayor would have shown up. The governor would have come. If there was somebody of importance in the town, they would have been the first to be dropped off at the red carpet. The master sends out word, come, now everything is ready. This event was going to be incredible. Not only was it going to be an event with great splendor, but let me tell you about the scope of the event. Surely the people who were invited to this feast were the cream of the crop. They were the rich. They were the influential. They were the movers and the shakers. They were the who's who. Everyone that was anyone would have been invited to come. 
Friends, this morning, I want you to understand that Jesus is using this party. He's using this feast to illustrate the glory of God's kingdom. And for those who will attend the Lord's, the Lord's feast in heaven, it will be an event so grand, so glorious, that we cannot comprehend it. In my mind's eye, I believe firmly that there will be enough Diet Mountain Dew at this feast that I can drink as much as I want. There's going to be fried chicken there. After all, I believe this will be a, a, a potluck where angels are going to bring food. Now, that's not in Scripture. That's not in Scripture, okay? I'm just saying in my imagination, this is what it's going to be like. There's going to be lots of awesome food and lots of awesome people. Now, just think about the folks that will be there. You're going to have David and Solomon. You're going to have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You're going to have all of the disciples that are there. There will be even uh, people of biblical history and past there. Ruth, Rahab, Bathsheba, they'll all be there too. Even folks like Adam and Eve, they'll be there as well. And imagine this feast. This feast is going to be free because it's going to be in God's kingdom. It's going to be free of charge. It's going to be free of pain. It's going to be free of suffering. There's not going to be sorrows there. There's not going to be tears there. Why? Because it's in heaven and the devil ain't in heaven. It's going to be an awesome experience. Can't you just wait to get there? It's going to be an amazing experience thing. If you can imagine a scene like that, you have a, a small idea of where we are headed and what we will see and experience when we arrive there. It is going to be the social event of eternity. And friends, you don't want to miss out on it. You don't want to miss out on it. The only way to, to get on that guest list is to be invited by the host. The only way to walk through the door of that fine party is to walk through the door of Jesus Christ. He's the ticket. He's the way. He's the event. You know, I've, uh, I've gone to some fancy dinners. I have. I've gone to some fancy dinners. I can remember that a few Easter's ago, uh, my, my mom and dad said, you know what? We want to do something special. We want to do something special for Easter. And after church, my mom and dad took me and my wife and my whole family. We all went to the Grand Hotel for brunch. How many of you have ever done that? Woo! Got to loosen the belt for that dinner. Man, they had crab legs. And do you know what was wonderful about those crab legs? They were already cracked. I didn't even have to crack them. They had shrimp. They had steak. They had lobster. And I was rubbing shoulders with rich people. It was fantastic. But you know what? As great as that meal was, it will pale in comparison to the meal that we will have in heaven. And as great as the company was at the Grand Hotel, it will pale in comparison to the company that we will keep as we eat at the great feast. Oh man, I can't wait to get there. If you're anybody, if you're anybody, you'll want to be there. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 Listen to what Paul says. This is good and it is pleasing the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved to come to the knowledge of truth. Now this is going to lead right into my second point. Notice first the invitation went out to those who had been invited. Now who are those who had been invited? The Jews, right? 
They're the ones that have been invited. Jesus sent the message of the gospel first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. But Paul clearly tells us that, guess what? Not only is this feast, not only is it meant for the Jews, but praise God, it's for everybody. Anybody can get in. Anybody can come. And so let's look at Roman numeral 2, verses 18 through 20 this morning. We see that the invitation is extended, but we also see that the invitation is extinguished. We see the invitation extinguished in verse 18 through 20. But they began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out to see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Do you think, by the way, the wife told him that he could not come? I, I kind of think so. Okay, you're not going to go without me. And so here we have three responses, and I believe that these are pretty typical of the responses when Jesus calls us. And these are typical responses that we often give back to God for saying, Lord, I'm sorry, but i got to put you on screen. I, I, I'm not able to take this call right now, Lord. i, I got some other things that I've got going on. And by the way, all of these are valid excuses. They're valid excuses, but they're lame excuses. They're lame excuses. So the first of the responses to Christ's call is this. We have the excuse of possessions. We have excuse of possessions. This man had bought a piece of property, and he had bought the property without even seeing it. Without even seeing it. He had never even laid eyes on the property. He tells the master, oh, tell the master I bought property, but i got to go out and see it first. Who buys property without seeing it first? Who does that? Who, who would say, you know what, I want to drop a, a couple to $300,000 on a home, and guess what, I've never even seen it. I've not gotten on VRBO. I've not gotten on some of these real estate websites. I've never even seen a picture of it. I just bought it. This man, he had bought a piece of property. He didn't even see it. And then he is going to go look at this mysterious property, and he's going to say no to Jesus. This man and his excuse picture the sinner who is so materially minded that he refuses the call of the gospel so that he continues to live for the world and all that this world offers. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'd love to go be a missionary. I really would. I think being a missionary would be an awesome thing. But you know, I'd have to sell my house, I'd have to sell my cars. I'd have to get rid of a lot of my earthly belongings. And I'm just not really sure, does God really, does God really call me to do that? Yeah, friend, he does. He doesn't call everybody to do that, but he might be calling you to do that. One of my favorite stories in the, in the church is, is when Brenda and Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Smith, Brenda Taylor, when they packed up everything, they, they went with us to, to Paris, outside of Paris, a little town called Drancy, France. And, and, and we did some mission trips over there. And we, we met a guy named Jim. And, and Jim was the International Mission Board missionary that was there. And, and he began to talk about some of the various needs that they had there in the mission field. And we saw firsthand of all the wonderful opportunities that we could be sharing Christ, sharing the gospel not with people that look like us, but people who are in desperate need to hear it, who are locked down in, in the deceptive faith of Islam. 
And as we continue to work with Jim and as we continue to go and spend time with Jim, and Brenda and Jonathan, they got bit by the missionary bug. Brenda and Jonathan came to me. They invited Angela and I over to their house, and they shared with us what they were thinking about doing. And I'll be honest with you, it was inspiring because Brenda and Jonathan said, you know what? We feel so called to go and do what the Lord is calling us. Friends, let me tell you, they did not put God on screen. They heard God's voice. And when they heard God's voice, they said, you know what, everything that we own pales in the comparison of what we gain when we go and work on behalf of Christ. So they literally sold everything they owned and went to be on the mission field. Isn't that an awesome story? An awesome story. You know, there's a team right now from Three Circle. I'm I'm sure you guys have seen this. Chris Bell and a good friend of mine, Blake Stanley, who's the executive pastor uh, they're at Three Circle. Uh, they're over in Bethlehem right now. They're on quarantine. Have you seen this story? They're on quarantine in a hotel in Bethlehem because of the coronavirus. Now, now months ago, they had heard the call of God, and they had planned and prepared, and they had everything signed up and ready to go. And they had, even before they had gone out to go to Bethlehem, they had done lots of checking. You know, there were, there were no warnings. There were no signs saying, no, you don't need to come. And so they said, you know what? We know that coronavirus is a thing, but we feel like God is calling us to go. And so they packed up and they went. They went. And you know, now they're, they're stuck in this hotel. And they're wearing masks and they can't leave. And one of the great stories that Blake was saying is, you know, there are all these people who've kind of questioned us. Why in the world would you go? Why would you go at a time like this when coronavirus is everywhere? Surely you're putting yourself at risk knowing that you could get sick and now look where you are. And Blake said, you know what? We're exactly where God wants us to be. We are sharing the gospel with people that we would not have probably shared the gospel with. God wanted us to be trapped in this hotel so that we could share the gospel with all these folks that are working here. They are seeing the light of Christ. May we all get trapped in a hotel for Jesus. Oh, friend, let me tell you. The excuse, these excuses of, well, I need to hang on to all my stuff as if stuff is going to save you, as if your stuff isn't going to rust and fall apart anyway. The excuse of possessions. Then another person gives the excuse of prosperity. He gives the excuse of prosperity. This man had bought 10 oxen. And by the way, the first guy bought land without seeing them. This guy bought 10 oxen without trying them. Who would buy 10 oxen without trying them out? And he can't come to the party because he has to go plow a field. Now that is a bad excuse. That's like the first time I asked Angela out with me and I said, do you want to go on a date with me? And she said, I'm sorry, I've got to wash my hair. This guy, he is trying to get ahead in the world. And of course, his excuse is a lame one at best. Who buys oxen without seeing them, without trying them? Who buys oxen and then tries them out? Of course, you would try it out before you buy it. How many of you would buy a car without going on a test drive? Oh, chances are none of us would. And many of us are just like this fellow. They allow their occupation, their businesses, their pursuit of material gain to, to, to keep them from coming to God. By the way, there's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with making money. But when these things come ahead of God, they become idols and they become sinful. 
And God doesn't give people jobs that move them away from him. There are many who place their career ahead of God, and as a result, they die having done nothing for the kingdom. Oh, friends, I know that our jobs are important. And by the way, it's just as easy for me as a pastor to put this job ahead of my relationship with Christ. I've known lots of pastors over the years who have burned out of the ministry doing great things for the Lord. And it's all because they chose to say, Lord, I'm not going to put you first. Instead, I'm going to put the job first. I'm going to put the people first. And the Lord says, no, 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 you've got it the wrong way around. And friend, I confess, I've been there before, I've done it, I'm guilty, and chances are you have as well. We need to make sure we're keeping God the first of everything. We see the excuse of possessions, the excuse of prosperity, and then we have the excuse of personal relationships The next man was a newlywed. And by the way, I can understand a newlywed man wanting to spend time with his new bride. And and yet, if you understand the context of weddings in the Middle East, they are extravagant events, events. They are planned months and months in advance. He knew about this wedding when he accepted the invitation to the feast. He double booked himself. And this man placed a personal relationship ahead of everything else in his life. And many of us are in the same shape today. People won't come to Christ because they're afraid of their, of their families or their friends or, or what their husbands or wives will think of them. They're too absorbed in their own little world to give their lives, to give their service to Jesus Christ. And by the way, I think that this is a, a picture of the nation of Israel. They knew about the coming kingdom of God. They knew that God was throwing a feast and that they were to be the honored guest. They had been told through the words and the writings of the prophets and of scripture long ago written that, that God was coming, that he was sending a Messiah and that Jesus would eventually invite them to the feast, but they turned a deaf ear and they said no. There are lots of folks that still make excuses today. The excuses mean uh, as much now as they did back then. Not a single person who rejected the invitation had a valid reason for doing it. When God calls you, his calling trumps everything else. When God calls, his calling trumps all other things. In Luke chapter 9, verse 60, And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury the dead. Remember this this man said, Oh, Lord, I want to follow you, but I've got to go bury my father first. And Jesus says, No, 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 no. Let the dead bury the dead. I am calling you right now. I am calling you right now. So Roman numeral 3, the last of the Roman numerals that we have here, we have the invitation expanded. We have it given. We, we see that it's extinguished to a few, and now it's expanded to many others. In verses 23 and 24, And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. So when this wealthy man sends his servant out to call the people to feast, he doesn't send them to the rich and the powerful. He sends them out to to go to the society that we would consider not polite. We would consider these people that we would not have fellowship with these type of folks, and these are the folks that the master has called. 
So let's just go through very briefly the list of people that the master has called in to his feast. One, we have the poor. We have the poor. The master invited those who would never be able to pay him back for his generosity. He reaches down to men who will never be able to repay him for for their salvation. We cannot repay Christ for what Christ has done for us. There is no ability to do that. Jesus has extended to each one of us, and including myself, something that we cannot possibly repay. Every single in this this room is a poor spiritual soul. And Jesus says, I want you to come to my party. That's an amazing thing. Not only does he invite the poor, but he also invites the crippled This refers to people that have been deformed, twisted, and broken. These are the kind of people society feels uncomfortable being around. These are the people who are considered to be the defects and the rejects of society. And yet Jesus invites them to come and eat at his table. Angela and I, when we were in China several years ago, and we were adopting our son, Jet, we went to his orphanage, and the orphanage was in Balto. And God love them. These folks in Balto did the very best they could with the children that they had. There were only a handful of nannies, and there were lots and lots of kids. And so we saw all these children who were love-starved, love-starved. And, and they loved any time when any person would just pick them up and hold them. And so we had Jet with us at that time, and we were going through, and Angela and I were meeting the nannies, and we were saying hello, and they just seemed like lovely people, lovely individuals. And as we were walking out, As we were walking out of the orphanage, I'll never forget this sight. As we were walking out, there was a a little red wagon. Uh, One of the nannies was pulling behind her. And in this red wagon, it was filled with these little beautiful Chinese children. And there was one child who stood out to me the most. This little girl, she was about Jet's age. She may have been maybe a year older. She might have been three. And, And I'll never forget her because she was badly Badly deformed. Badly deformed. Her head was, it looked like her head was three times the normal size of a human head. Her face, you know how your face has a profile when you turn it to the side. Her face looked like it had been smashed in. Her nose was all pressed into her face and her eyes, instead of being set correctly, her eyes were spaced out. Honestly, the first thought that came into my human mind was that this little girl looked like an alien. Her skin was white. And Jet's skin is caramel. You know how most Chinese kids look, caramel, darker skin. But yet this little girl, she was pale. She had red around her eyes and her ears were set back. And I thought to myself, I I, I just grieved. Because here we had brought Jet in and we loved Jet. But I grieved for this young girl because in my heart of hearts, I thought to myself, and this is a shame to think this, I thought, who? Who is going to adopt this little girl? Who is going to bring this little girl into their home? It's one thing to bring a child who, I'll be honest with you, Jet looks normal. He looks like a normal Chinese child. And yet this child is so abnormal 
She's so deformed. She's so broken. Who will bring her into their home? Who will invite her to sit at their table? A few months after that, Angela and I, we were on Facebook together, and and we were part of this Lifeline group on Facebook, and it shares a story, adoption stories, of, of people from around the United States who are adopting children from all over And as we were sliding through all the pictures of these adoptive parents, we noticed that there was that little girl. She had been adopted. She had been adopted by a beautiful family from Nashville, Tennessee. She had the most handsome father. She had the most attractive, blonde-haired mom. And I thought, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord that somebody saw this little girl and they probably saw her for the very first time just with a picture, didn't know her from Adam, didn't know of the, the problems that she, she potentially had outside of just normal deformity, and yet they said, that little girl is my daughter. I'm going to invite her in and she's going to sit at my table. Well, friend, we may have it all together on the outside. We may look normally outside, but I'm going to tell you right now, without Jesus, we're all spiritually deformed. Without Christ, we're all aliens. And Jesus looked at us in our deadness, in our deformity, and he said, I choose you to be at my table. He went out to the crippled. He went out to the broken And he said, I will bring you in. Not only that, but he also brings in the blind. And these are people that are trapped in their own little world of darkness. They don't possess the resources to get to the Lord by themselves. They need a guide. They need someone to show them the light. Are we not all spiritually blind before Christ? And then he sends them out to the highway and the hedge dwellers And after the servant had found all the the wrecks of humanity that he could find, he brought them in the master's house. He still had room, and now the master sends the servant out to the streets and to the hedges and to the lanes. And here he would literally meet the worst of the worst, those whom nobody else wanted anything to do with. These people were the off putting of all of humanity and mixed among all of these people would have been homeless, would have been the wanderers, would have been the prostitutes, would have been those who were journeying from place to place. These would be the tent dwellers. In other words, the servant would meet anyone and everyone in the streets and he would say, there's room enough for you. When we talk about witnessing, we often think of the great people of the Bible. And yet, I think that one of the very first evangelical stories in the Bible is this story right here. A servant who's just willing to go. A servant who doesn't put God, doesn't put his master on screen, but instead takes the call and says, Lord, I'm on your team. Friends, this morning, let me remind you that not a whole lot has changed. You and I, we are multiple characters in the story. 
We're the, we're the servant who's been called to share the message of Christ, but we're also, at one point in our lives, we're the ones that have received the message of Christ from someone else. Praise the Lord that he uses us. Now, I'll be honest with you, the master could have gone out on his own. Master could have gone out into the streets. He could have knocked on doors. He could have said, come on in. The master doesn't need the servant Rather, the servant needs the master. And by the way, God doesn't need us today. He certainly doesn't need little old me. And yet he chooses to use us. He chooses to allow us to take part in this fantastic mission adventure that we call evangelism. And this morning, I I want to inspire you. I want to implore you to share the message of the gospel. Don't just share it with your family and friends, although they should come first. But share it with anybody that you might come in contact with. One of the things that Bryant said to me in conclusion, he said, you know, I've known Angelo for six years. I've known Angelo for six years. And he said, you know what? I I wish I would have six years ago talked to Angelo about his faith. I wish six years ago I would have talked to Angelo and walked him through the prayer, the, the peace with God track. Friends, let me tell you, there is low fruit hanging on your vines. There is someone there that I promise you does not know Jesus. It was really funny. Bryant goes, I I thought he knew Jesus this whole time. Isn't that right, Bryant? I I thought he was a believer this whole time. And as it turned out, he wasn't. How many people in our sphere of influence are we just assuming that they know Jesus? Oh, friends, never assume But always assist, always be ready, because God is calling you to share his invitation today. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you. Thank you that you use us. Lord, you don't have to, and yet you do. Thank you for allowing us to be a great part of your mission story. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you will bring to mind at least one person in all of our minds that you'll bring to to mind one person that needs to hear the gospel. And that, Lord, you will use it, that you will use this person, Lord, to inspire us to just share our story, our Jesus story with them. We don't have to know the entire Bible. We don't have to have every scripture memorized. All we have to do is plant a seed. Lord, help us to be those kind of people. Help us to be that kind of servant. And Lord, we pray this today in your name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.